Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. This is Controlling Commodity Costs, and we are your hosts, Craig Turner and Tom Dazzle. We are your authority to gain control of your commodity exposure, stay ahead of the competition, and maximize your profit margins. This podcast is brought to you by StoneX Group, a Fortune 100 company with a 100-year history in the commodity markets. You can find us on the NASDAQ. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining us on Controlling Commodity Costs. I'm Craig Turner. I'm flying solo for this one. Tom Dosdall can't make it, but we'll be getting him in the mix soon. And on Controlling Commodity Costs, we'll be having two podcasts a month. One of them will be a monthly market update. That's what we're going to do today. And the other one will be interviewing various experts and department heads here at StoneX who are going to be specialized in dairy markets, energy, grain and oil seeds, interest rates, currencies, plastics, uh, really anything to do with the commodity markets. And we're very excited about doing those podcasts too. This podcast or this episode for Controlling Commodity Costs goes hand in hand with our Controlling Commodity Costs newsletter. Uh, and you can, if you want to subscribe to that or check it out, you can just go to the show notes and sign up for it there. And yeah, so let's get into it. And one other thing, you know, we put this podcast out for procurement professionals, commodity managers, employees in the finance department, all all the way up to the CFO, to give everyone an understanding of what's going on in the markets, the kind of tools that are available that allow you to control your commodity costs. Because the commodity markets are volatile, but your business doesn't have to be, especially if you're using some of the risk management tools that we have here at Stone X. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about the macro markets, grains and oil seeds and energies today. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, we take a look at the uh, the macro markets. That's going to set the tone for a lot of expectations and money flow in the commodity markets. So let's get into that first. That's going to help us kind of set the tone of where uh, we see commodities going here for a little while. So Biggest factor right now in these macro markets is the Federal Reserve. They raised their interest rate, the Fed funds interest rate again in early May from five, and it went to uh, 5% to 5.25%. It was earlier, uh, before this, it was four and three quarters to 5%. Now it's 5% to five and a quarter. What's interesting about that is in the latest CPI report, Inflation was 4.9% year over year. Now, this is a very positive sign for the fight against inflation. I don't think there, since the central bank's been created, I don't think there's been a time in the history of the United States where the central bank had been able to bring down inflation until the Fed FUDS rate exceeded CPI. So since we had, really, I think we've been going on for 18 months now or longer with the inflation issues we've had here in the United States and in the world. And interest rates have been going up for at least a year. I mean, we were at we were at zero and now we're at five percent. And we're finally at a point where interest rates for the federal fund overnight rate is higher than CPI. So that's very positive and that's a very big mi- milestone for the macro markets. Now while that may be the case, that's the fight against inflation. There's also the concern about a slowdown in growth, and there's concern about recession. So the market on its own is starting to price in a Fed funds rate cut at the end of the year. So if you take a look at you know, the futures markets, you can 
figure out where the, the market thinks we'll be in the future. And they're starting to think we're going to be at 4.5% by the end of the year. Federal Reserve Chairman Powell was asked about this, and he actually seemed quite shocked when he got that, that question. Uh, the reason being the Fed has been very deliberate on their thoughts about not wanting to repeat history and from the 70s into 1980, where the Federal Reserve did raise interest rates. Um, they did start to get inflation under control. Recession was hitting, or economic slowdown was hitting in 79, early 80. They eased up on interest rates. Inflation went rocketed high again. I mean, anyone had uh, relatives or parents you know, living through the 70s and 80s, they were talking about like 20%. Uh, mortgage rates. Um, you know, the Fed wants to avoid that situation. So with, we're far away from that. But federal uh, chairman Powell has said that we would rather keep interest rates longer, higher for a longer amount of time than basically make cuts too soon. So what the market is doing, though, by saying we're going to have cuts by the end of the year, the market is betting that this recession is going to come. And not only does the recession come, but the regional banks continue to fail. We've had three so far. And if there's enough pressure on the system and there's a recession or more banks are failing, the Fed will have but no choice to lower interest rates. So that's the bet going on in the market right now. You have the Federal Reserve saying we're keeping rates and we're and we are not going to lower them this year. And you have the market betting that that is not going to happen because the recession and the problem with the regional banks is going to force the Fed's hand. Very interesting on what's going on here. So the macro markets are mixed. And when we talk about commodity risk and procurement and you know what that means to someone's hedge policy and also just uh, you know meeting your budget here, you would think there's going to be there's going to be uncertainty in the financial markets that could spill over into the commodity markets if things get sideways on the Fed by the end of the year. So we'll have to continue to keep an eye on that. If you have risk to interest rates, that is that is something we, we may need to uh, talk about too. One thing more on the macro economy before we switch on over to the grains and oil seeds here is the one-year treasuries are above 4% right now, and the 10 years are about 3.5%, you know, give or take. Uh, this is known as an, an inverted interest rate market. Historically, that is an indication of the coming economic slowdown. And the reason why that's a, that's a signal, basically what the market is, is saying is we'll pay a higher interest rate for one year and a lower interest rate for a 10-year. And usually, the farther out in the curve you go, the higher the interest rate needs to be because to lend money out f farther out in time, the more risk there is going to be of the default or something to go wrong. You know, if you only if you loan out money for two weeks, you know, for a month, 60 days, 90 days, there's a greater chance that that money gets paid back over 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You lend money out for 30 years or 10 years, you know, whatever capital that's going into, whatever business that's going into, whatever ventures that's going to, may or may not work out. It's a lot of time for that money to be gone as it's coming back in. So what the market's saying here is that there's more risk in us lending to you in the short term because we're so concerned about the economy in the short term. While if it was a long-term project that takes 10 years to develop, that has less risk and then therefore a lower interest rate. 
So that's what the market's telling us right now. And the Fed is saying they're not going to decrease interest rates and inflation is going gonna, is gonna to rule basically how the Fed goes about things for the rest of the year. So it's very interesting. And my major takeaway, I got two. There are two major takeaways right now that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Does the Fed reserve rate continue to stay above inflation, which would be great? Because if it does, that means inflation really is coming down and the Fed is winning the war on inflation. And then number two, we'll have to see how long this market A stays inverted and you know, based on the futures prices in the interest rate markets, if the how long the market thinks the Fed is going to actually decrease interest rates by a half point. So as we get towards the end of the year. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on. Let's take a look at the grains and oil seeds here. So grains and oil seeds, uh, if you are in food and beverage, a lot of our clients are in the food and beverage uh, markets and also in manufacturing too. A couple of major takeaways, major news, news points happened last week. We had the May WASDI. The May WASDI is a big report. It's one of the top three or four reports of the year that come out from the USDA. It's the first time we see new crop estimates, not just for the United States, North America, but also globally. Uh, so we get to see all the, you know, whether this be corn, soybeans, wheat, they'll also, they'll, the USDA will also issue special reports on oil seeds so we can see what their thoughts are on palm and uh, canola and sunflower, things like that. So major takeaways from that report here and what it means for our clients that have exposure to these commodities. It was bearish corn. So if you are, if you do use corn, if you're a buyer than corn, you know, the USDA basically said on 92 million acres, a new crop and a 181 trend line yield, that's a lot of production. And not only is that a lot of production, demand, it, the forecasting demand has weakened for one, just not as much use for energy and also two, not as much use for feed. The high prices of meat have caused the livestock market to cull back some of these animals. Uh, and if it's something like livestock where you know, the animal's life is a two-year process, where it's going to take some time to get some of that feed demand to get back into the market. So we were thinking coming into this report, maybe the corn carryout would be around 2 billion bushels which implies uh, maybe a 13% stock to usage and corn maybe at harvest five bucks, something like that. At basically a 2.2 billion carryout is what the USDA is calling for over a 15% carryout. Corn, which was in a tight market, is now transitioning not into just an adequately supplied market, but with the potential to be a burdensome supply, meaning that we could we could have some serious lows in 2024 if this crop is very good and demand stays low and this recession that the right now the, the market is betting on, and you can see through the interest rates futures, uh, we could have corn, we could have corn in the mid fours next year. Just you know, just looking at a, a simple linear regression on where the USDA thinks what kind of ending stocks will have, meaning available uh, available stocks for purchase. And you know, compared to demand, and I wouldn't be surprised if we were, you know, sub five at some point. So that was very interesting. If you're a buyer of corn, 
The only real risk in corn right now is old crop. It is tight. There are parts of the country that have simply run out of corn. So, but it's May and the South will start harvesting in August. So there's only a couple more months left in old crop. As soon as you get the new crop, the, the dynamics of the corn market completely changes and it goes from tight to adequate to burdensome. Soybean production, the USDA had 87.5 million acres, 52 BPA bushels per acre. We build maybe 50 to 100 million in ending stocks year over year. What does that mean for the end user and the buyer? It means we go from a tight, you know, a very tight soybean market where at 5% stocks usage carryout would imply beans in the teens, 13, 14, $15, to a point where stocks usage is getting closer to 10%, might be 7 or 8%. You know, 10% would be that line if we have a normally supplied market again. And we're getting there. We're still going to be tight you know, by definition, but year over year, stocks are getting bigger. So that's why we're seeing a new crop kind of make a run towards 12. And if we do have a pretty good crop this year and Brazil is able to help out with the export market with their, which looks like they have a record crop too, maybe soybeans can be in the 11th at some point. Panola, the USDA also commented on, and they're expanding with their acres and a trend line yield. They could have their new crop carry out about 1.3 million metric tons. If that's the case, there isn't a shortage anymore in canola. It might be a little bit tight than the years before COVID, but it isn't won't be nearly as tight as it was the past couple of years. And you can start seeing on a linear regression map canola eventually being in the in the 600s, which it's finally broken through, or you know maybe even lower. But soybean oil, palm oil, or soybeans and palm and canola and sunflower of you know, of those four, sunflower is still has a little bit of a challenge because of it's such a big crop for the Black Sea, and the Black Sea still has a lot of issues. But soybean stocks are increasing globally and in North America. Canola stocks will be increasing, and palm oil is adequately supplied now. The only thing that's bullish in probably in the soybean oil or the soybean market is stocks are still relatively tight and renewable biodiesel, but that's gonna take some time to really ramp up. As far as wheat, that was the big major surprise of the report and just how bad hard red winter wheat crop is doing this year. That's the Kansas City wheat, which is a higher protein wheat. And the, the Kansas City contract was just the bullish leader after the release of the report and deservedly so. Hard red winter wheat, which is the Kansas City wheat and hard red spring wheat, which is the Minneapolis wheat, Looks to have stock to usage below 25%. I can't remember the last time those two combined were that low, maybe 2008. Been a while, and it argues for ele elevated prices for another year. So spring wheat production, which is being planted now, so spring wheat production for new crop, United States, Canada, and Russia, be very critical, very sensitive to weather issues. And the main takeaway here for end users, if you are a buyer of high protein wheat, I think you need to be aggressive. If you're a buyer of corn, you can let new car corn probably come in. If you're soybeans, you can make purchases at a regular interview in, uh, interval. If you need wheat between now and next July, next June, 
I think uh, I, 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 I think you need to be aggressive here. And you know, if you need help either with your purchases or hedging against higher costs, that is why we're here. We're here to identify these trends. You know, we're here to take a look at the market and you know see potential potential issues where it can catch you off guard if things if things don't go their the right way for some of these crops. And for the next year here, if there is going to be an upside surprise over the next 12 months, just playing the odds, it's it's going to be high protein wheat. So if you're a buyer of Kansas City wheat, you're a buyer of spring wheat, either really get aggressive on the dips here or you know use the futures and options markets, use the OTC and swap markets, use the accumulators to hedge that risk so it doesn't blow out your budget if we uh, if, if something should happen and get higher prices because there's a lot more room for error in corn. There's some room for error in soybeans and canola. There's definitely room for error in soft red winter wheat, which is the much lower protein wheat, but I don't see any room for error in hard red winter wheat and hard red spring wheat, that Kansas City and Minneapolis contract right now. All our contact information is in the show notes if you want to reach out to us. If you are not a client, we're happy to talk to you about that. All right, so let's wrap up here with the energy markets. Uh, the uh, the commercial energy desk sits right behind me. I hear those guys talking about the markets all day. And you know when we talk about energy, is really talking about two things. We're talking about you know crude oil and the products that they break down into, whether it be heating oil, gasoline, diesel. And then there's the natural gas market. So what is interesting here is you know natural gas, which ran up to huge prices, you know during during the Russia-Ukraine war and you know, Russia shutting off energy into into Europe, and you know, we saw natural gas in the United States here get to eight or nine bucks on the futures, and here we are back into the two and the threes. And when you take a look at natural gas now, while there was a short-term shortage and some massive global uncertainty in the energy market when the Black Sea war erupted, things have gotten back to normal. And you can just take a look at production. There's a lot of production there for natural gas. Also, temperatures have been pretty mild. And you know, it seems like once, you know, every quarter we're able to export more natural gas, especially liquid natural gas, liquefied natural gas. Uh, and that allows you know, more, more of the natural gases you know, to get out of the country. So you add all those up, demand is increasing a little bit. But supply is increasing at a much rapid, much more rapid pace, and the demand we're seeing the exports is quite slow. Meanwhile, the demand, where the demand growth is slow, I should say, in the exports. Meanwhile, these mild temperatures that we've seen have been bearish for natural gas. So in the front months here, we're around two dollars. The funds are short. Yeah, the price is a little bit higher in the back end, but Natural gas at you know two three bucks is a whole lot better than six seven and eight. And when you take a look at just the percentage, you know historical values of natural gas, you know ones twos and threes are you know basically thirty percent, you know or lower in terms of where we are historically. You're in the thirty percentile or lower historically. Meanwhile, you know if there's always the risk, you can go back up to 
you know, six, seven, eight, nine dollars again, and we're in the you know, 70th or 80th percentile prices historically over the past five years, we are seeing companies lock in more energy down here because they don't want to deal with, and you never know what's going to go on. Uh, and you never know what's going to happen in the Black Sea, you never know what's going to happen in Europe with Russia, China. And we're just seeing more, more companies being open to you know, hedging or interested in hedging you know, farther out. If you are doing that, and you know, when I talk to clients about do they want to hedge more in energy going farther out now that prices have come down, especially in gas, or when we talk to people about you know, maybe for next year, locking in some corn prices because you know, the commodities always revert back to the mean, and if you overproduce, you know, in corn, which looks like we're going to do, you know, those, those low prices don't stay around forever the same way the high prices don't stay around forever. So do you have you know, a risk policy in place um, is, you know, if you are one, if you do want to, you know, take advantage of prices farther you're out, are there policies in place that allow for that? So that is, you know, probably that is something we'll talk about in our next interview. We're going to be talking to, uh, to that department here and you know see if uh, if you don't have something like that place how that can happen but natural gas is a great example of that right now where you have these you, know, you do have a situation where it makes sense locking things in farther out down the curve crude oil is a little bit different you know we when i take a look at the crude oil market it's very very sensitive to the economy and unemployment is at 3.4 percent which is a 53 year low yet there's this expectation of a recession. So the low unemployment you would think would be bullish for energy um, because everyone is employed who wants to be and uh, we are coming into driving season, yet we are talking about impending recession and it's a little bit of a bullish and a bearish forecast. Globally, it's uh, it's about China, you know, for the most part, not just in energy, but in grains and oil seeds. And the signals have been mixed, quite honestly, they're a little bit more bearish than, than anything on both of those. So that's uh that's gonna probably help keep energy prices down a little bit if we do get below 70 for long and into the 60s the united states has said they will be filling up the spr in july moving forward so just looking at you know crude oil prices and its products like diesel and gasoline aren't as low historically on a percentile base as let's say natural gas is right now but uh, because OPEC does tend to cut production when we get into the 60s or below 70, when it hits 70, because the United States has also come out and said they're going to start filling up the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, again, going forward from July moving forward. There seems to be some value or at least a floor in the energy prices. Uh, so this may be a time where we should be you know, looking at 2023 securing it because eventually the economy will turn around. And when the economy does turn around the United States and globally, demand will grow faster than supply can be added. So we do, you know, that eventually will happen. And it is going to make sense to have either physical purchases in place going down the curve or doing something in the futures and options market or in the OTC swaps market uh, to hedge against that price risk. And that is something that we've certainly been talking about as uh, in as in fresh in our minds. So, that is going to do it for this week. Just to give you a little recap here on controlling commodity costs, the macro macro economy is kind of mixed right now. Actually, I think mixed signals is the theme of theme of the month here. 
you just remember on the macro side, Federal Reserve, you know, has been raising interest rates. The market is betting against that. Uh, they're betting for a recession, which is bearish. But on the plus side, federal fund rate, federal funds rates is above CPI. That is a, a huge milestone and a win against fighting inflation. So you've got uh, you've got good news and bad news there. That's kind of dominating on the grains and oil seed side. Listen, we were tight in everything for the past two years, and all the commodity costs in grains and oil seeds were higher for the most part. And the market is transitioning. Uh, we finally are getting a, a lot of acres and also some good weather and growing conditions. And corn will transition first from high prices to low prices. Soybeans will follow. The low protein soft red winter wheat will will follow also and maybe just as bearish as corn is right now. But the big surprise here is just how tight we're going to have high protein wheat another year. And then on the energy markets, the risk is to the upside and you need to be doing, you need to be thinking ahead here. You need to be thinking ahead and you never know when the next energy issue is going to is going to play. You don't want to leave yourself exposed. So again, this is controlling commodity costs. We help clients basically control their commodity costs so they can so they can maximize their margins. Commodity markets can be very volatile, uh, but your business doesn't have to be. So if you have any questions about A, what we're seeing here in the markets, how you can take advantage of some of the pricing and protect yourself, or if you just even need help with doing a risk assessment to see how much exposure you have, do you have the right policies in place? Are you following industry best practices? We also help uh, with those two. And future podcasts are going to be going over that. I appreciate everyone for listening. Check out the show notes. Our controlling commodity costs monthly newsletter is free. You can see a lot of the charts about that go in tandem with what we've been talking here on the podcast. All our contact information is also in the show notes. So please feel reach, to reach out anytime. And finally, we always appreciate you passing along the podcast or giving us a positive review on iTunes. And that's going to help people find us too. So thanks very much. And uh, we look forward to speaking with you soon. The trading of derivatives such as futures, options, and over-the-counter OTC products or swaps may not be suitable for all investors. Derivatives trading involves substantial risk of loss. And you should fully understand those risks prior to trading. Past financial results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. All references to futures and options on futures trading are made solely on behalf of the FCM division of Stonex Financial Inc., a member of the National Futures Association and registered with the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission as a futures commission merchant. All references to and discussion of OTC products or swaps are made solely on behalf of Stonex Markets, LLC, a member of NFA and provisionally registered with the CFTC as a swap dealer. StoneX Markets products are designed only for individuals or firms who qualify under CFTC rules as an eligible contract participant and who have been accepted as customers of StoneX Markets. This material should not be constructed as a solicitation of trading strategies and or services provided by the FCM division of StoneX Financial or StoneX Markets as noted in this presentation and podcast. Neither the FCM division of StoneX Financial Inc. nor StoneX Markets is responsible 
for any redistribution of this material by third parties or any trading decisions taken by persons not intended to view this material. Information contained herein was obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but is not guaranteed. These materials represent the opinions and viewpoints of the author and do not necessarily reflect the opinions and viewpoints of the FCM division of StoneX Financial or StoneX Markets. Reproduction or use in any format without authorization is forbidden. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved.